Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Ezra. We're going to be looking at sections of chapter 3 and chapter 4 today. We're going to see the people now coming back from their exile in Babylon. It's been a long time. Um, It has been 70 years in exile, and now King Cyrus has given the decree to let people come back. So, chapter 3, verse 1. When the seventh month came and the children of Israel were in towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. So we, we, uh, where chapter 2 uh, sort of leaves off, chapter 3 takes up, they're back. And so there's probably a, a bunch of time that, you know, between these two chapters, you know, how long it took them, I, we don't know, but, but now the people are back. Verse 2, Then arose Jeshua, the son of Josedach with his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Shealtiel, with his kinsmen, as they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So, as my study Bible says, you know, among the first tasks undertaken upon these exiles return was the rebuilding of the altar in the temple and you know high priority to get these offerings going back again and they you know they knew the you know probably where the first altar was the remains of it they evidently knew it so this altar was absolute priority but as we're going to see People started opposing rebuilding of this altar for various reasons. So, verse 3, they set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. So, in other words, they probably feared being occupied again, being taken slaves or captives by somebody else. And they were trying to get worship going. Verse 4, And they kept the Feast of Booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings 
by number according to the rule as each day required. And verse 5, after that, the regular burnt offerings, the offerings at the new moon and at all of the appointed feasts of the Lord and the offerings of everyone who made a freewill offering to the Lord. Okay, so they're getting back into worship. How important is worship? And look at our own lives. How important is daily prayer and daily worship and daily reading of the scriptures? The word of God. Do we do we make that our priority? You know, these people had been in captivity 70 years. Now, some of these people probably had never even uh, been to the old country, back to, you know, the land of Israel. So they don't know what to expect. And all they've got, they don't even have a temple. All they've got is an altar. Verse 8. Now, in the second year after they're coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua uh, made a beginning together with the rest of their kinsmen, the priests and the Levites, and all who'd come from their captivity. And they appointed Levites from 20 years old and upward to supervise the work of the house of the Lord. Remember, the Levites were supposed to be the priests that, you know, kept the temple going, right? Verse 9, And Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Together supervised the workmen in the house of God along with the sons of Hinnadad and the Levites and their sons and brothers. Verse 10, And when the builders lay the foundation of the temple of the Lord and the priests in their vestments came forward with their trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asap, uh, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King of da- uh, David, king of Israel. What did they do? Verse 11, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Quote, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with great a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Okay, so they're worshiping again. They're giving offerings. And that's great, isn't it? What do you think happened? Verse 12, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, verse 13, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So, We've got confusion now. The old-timers were dreaming back on the glory days of when they had this beautiful Solomon temple. And they were saying, man, what we got here is nothing. It's a little bit of pride, and it's a little bit of the wrong heart. Instead of worshiping God with all you've got, they were wanting to Worship him with a, more of a building. And that's the same kind of thing Jesus came in to, you know, to deal with. People aren't looking to him for worship. They're looking for their traditions and rules and architecture. 
Same thing for us today, I, I fear. We are not looking at the Word of God. We are not being sustained by prayer and the fellowship within the body of Christ. We're being sustained by our feelings. We're being sustained by architecture and pretty paintings and good church music, worship music. Look at all the things that make it easy for us to be sustained by. Now we come to chapter 4. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esheradon, king of Assyria, brought us here. Okay, so what's happening here now? You got the old-timers upset because it's not good like the old days. Now you got the new adversaries of Judah. And when they see this temple going up, they say, let us build with you. Because we're worshiping too. And it's almost like the people who never were worshiping the right way. They see something going up. Well, they're saying, hey, let's have inclusion. Let's have diversity of thought, you know. Don't we see a lot of this today? People who are not in the will of God get jealous about God's plan. And, and they see people worshiping God separate from them. And they're saying, oh, you must be judging me. And I don't want you to judge me. So unless we can worship together and you bend your rules and accept me and what we want to have in the worship service, then you are the hypocrite because you don't love. And we're worshiping right alongside you. You know, you can see that a lot of times in the church today. Things that the Bible clearly says has opposition to you get people wanting to say, well, you know, let's be more tolerant. That's old, too old-fashioned. We need to be more progressive in what we, what, how we worship. So, what happened here? Well, and McGee makes the point that this is liberal thinking, liberalism. It always divides the church. And then the liberals eventually say, everybody needs to be inclusive and worship together. And if you're not, you're a hypocrite. McGee says, sometimes you got to just worship your, by yourself then to try to compromise your teachings and your values. Verse 3, But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, king of Persia, has commanded us. Okay? So they're saying, no, we're not compromising. We're building this ourselves without you guys. Because they're basically just rejecting these people and their values. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. Okay? So now you can see their true colors coming out. They're threatening them, right? And bribed the counselors against them 
to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So the whole time, it's not getting built. Because these people around this area are jealous, they're bribing, they don't want this temple rebuilt. Because it judges them. Now, there's a whole bunch of controversy. McGee didn't read all of it. But they wrote these letters... And they were saying, you know, they were against the building. And um, and at the all of the very end of all of this controversy, we could call it local politics. Verse 24, then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Okay, so. A whole bunch of threats, accusations. They were people threatening that they will withhold money. The king would be dishonored. They've rebelled before. And they're going to take over this whole area. So, God's house stops because the people are trying to divide them again, yet again. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Ezra chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, all the way through to chapter 4, verses 1 through to verse 24. So here in today's study, we we have the rebuilding of the temple. So verse 1 of Ezra chapter 3 reads, And when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. So we saw... Um, last time in our study, um, under 50,000, just under 50,000, uh, returned in the first group. And, um, this was in Ezra chapter 2, verse 63 and 64, actually 64 and 65, which read, the whole assembly together was 42,300 and... 60. So, um, verse 65 reads, Besides their male and female servants who were 7,337, and they had 200 men and women singers. So, this was just right under 50,000 people. Then in the next delegation... It will actually be around 2,000 people that returned. That's um, around Ezra's return. And you know, there were others that came in that, that actually came in, that brought it probably up to about 60,000 people in total. 
but the majority remained down in Babylon and in the other areas rather than returning back in the promised land. So there is a period of time that actually elapses between chapters 2 and 3. That's one thing we should take note of. So chapter 2, it's... Um, You know, concluded by the children of Israel coming into the land, and they brought with them an abundance of wealth that had been given to them to rebuild the temple. So the people in that period apparently built their own homes, and the prophet Haggai rebuked them for actually building their own homes and neglecting to build the temple. So as you can see, you know, the amount of time had actually passed. Verse 2 goes on to read, Then Jesh Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his breth brethren, the priests, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, and his brethren, arose and built the altar of God, of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Verse 3 reads, Though fear came upon them because of the people of those countries, they set the altar on its bases and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening burnt offerings. So there are several things to actually take note here. You know, firstly, we find that they actually searched the scriptures and they found that it was written in the law of Moses. So this man, uh, the man of God, and there was no controversy or difference of opinion, you know, as the Bible was their authority, so the ideas or opinions of certain individuals didn't enter in it. So this has actually an application for us today. It's not today, um, you know, what, like, like today, it's, it's, it's not um, what men think or what they are saying. It's what the Word of God says that's what actually matters the most. So the scriptures aren't sufficient. They contain all instruction, everything that's actually needed for the guidance of those who would be faithful to God in any particular period of the church history. So if we look at the total word, you know, not just pick out like one particular point or anything like that. So if we look at the total word of God, we'll actually find the answers to all of our problems. We'll find sufficient direction to all our questions. So we want um we actually want to even need we actually need to to read the we are not not need sorry we actually won't even need to actually read all these self help self help books 
the the word of god is actually the answer you know there's all these books that are around us you know how to be a better person how to make friends all these self-help books we actually won't need to read them if we just read the total word of god it's sufficient so this is the uh, and then um here we had talked about the burnt altar so this is the burnt altar where they actually offered the burnt sacrifice so this altar speaks of the cross of christ the burnt sacrifice speaks of the person of christ and um who is he the person of christ so they're actually meeting about the person of christ and his death for them so everyone that belongs to the lord and is baptized by the holy spirit into the body of believers of the church is a brother or sister and we can have fellowship with so it's not a question of you know social standing or skin color or if he's a believer in the lord jesus christ then he is actually yeah if he's a believer in the lord jesus christ um he is a brother or a sister. It doesn't matter, you know, what dialect, what language they speak or how much money they have. So these people have come back and they were poor, humble people and they were um, exercised to just do God's will. And, you know, scripture actually reads, the meek will guide in judgment the meek will teach his ways so we need today to actually meet around the person of jesus christ no matter who you are which they actually have done around the person of jesus christ which they have done here as well so like i said it's not a question of who you are in society and if you meet around the person of christ um you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, verse 4 goes on to read, They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance for each. Verse 5, Afterwards, they offered the... Um, regular burnt offering and those for new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the lord that were consecrated sorry yeah consecrated and those of everyone who willingly offered a free will of offering sorry a free will offering to the lord okay so we find these people were now returning back to the words to the word of god and they put up the altar so dropping down to verse 8 it reads now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of god at jerusalem zerubbabel the son of Sheatiel, jeshua the son of Zadak, and the rest of their brethren the priests and the Levites and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem began to work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above 
to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Verse 9, Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers, Cadmiel with his sons and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God. The sons of Henadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. Verse 10, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel and trumpets and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. So they began to actually build the foundation. So these people only put down a foundation and they were so enthusiastic about it that they have the altar and the foundation down and they are acting as if, you know, the whole thing has been built up and they sing praises and have a dedication service. This was beautiful. Scripture goes into read. Verse 11, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercies endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses Old men who had seen the first temple wept a loud voice when the foundation of his temple was laid, of this temple was laid there before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, verse 13, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off so this is what actually happened so there was this younger group that actually hadn't seen the temple of old and here there are actually two groups so one were the younger ones who had never seen the temple of old and this was something new and they were and are enthusiastic and they're praising God. The other group were the old timers. They actually remembered the Temple of Solomon. And there was a beautiful, you know, and it was actually a very beautiful thing. And they were comparing this. And this wasn't very encouraging to the young people. It's very discouraging. And this was one of the objections that God had to overcome from the discouragement that came from the old timers. And as a result, we actually find Haggai, the prophet, telling the people that the Lord says, go ahead and build God, gods with you. So God was not in the temple in the end as we actually 
uh, read about, you know, the Shekinah glory had left, but God was with them. Okay, so now we get to chapter 4, and in chapter 4 we see the um, retardation of the building by opposition. So the opposition here come from the outside and not from the inside. So we'll just call attention to what was taking place. Okay, so verse 1 goes on to read of chapter 4. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the head of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. So these people here are actually saying that they had returned into onto the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who had carried them northern kingdom into captivity. So some of them had actually trickled back into that land and they were mixed with the Samaritans. So at this particular time, and as a result, the Samaritans wanted to actually join up. So this has always been, you know, the subtlety of Satan as he's actually worked through um, liberalism in our time now. So liberalism has divided the church and liberalism split the church in the first place and um you know liberals they want everyone to actually come back on their terms so there is no compromise with liberalism worshiping the way they do you know you have to do it their way verse three goes on to read but Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's house, houses of Jerusalem said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build the house, will build the Lord God of Israel. As King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. So, um, you know, though they were not very nice, Zerubbabel and his crew, you know, they were right, actually. So that's the important thing to be, to actually be right. That's what counts. So you can't always be overly polite or nice. Some people just don't get it. You know, sometimes just get directly to the point. As long as you're right, that's what's important. So these people were not as they actually appeared to be. They were not their friends because immediately they actually were denied to join together they wrote a letter to the king at that time and they are attempting to frustrate the building of the temple and this we have in verse 7 which reads in the days of Artaxerxes also Bishlam Mithreda Tabel and the rest of 
their companions wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia, and the letter was written in Aramaic script and translated before um, and translated into our into the Aramaic Aramaic sorry language. So here, Artaxerxes actually made a decree that they couldn't build at all, and the work ceased for some time. But you can't hold back God's work. God's work will always prevail. If God's on your side, if you have faith and believe, you cannot hinder the work of God. So yeah, this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.